Thank you for tuning into Sochcast. We hope you enjoy this uninterrupted listening experience. But before that, please do listen to these messages that come from those that support your favorite show. Raj Naik's talk show Fridays Live features high-profile guests from various walks of life who engage in a free-flowing and inspiring chat with him. Good evening and welcome to Friday's Live with me Raj Naik. My guest is a popular face on primetime television. You'll often find him articulating and sometimes defending the government policies, the central government policies. He is a lawyer, a politician and the official spokesperson of the ruling party at the center. Besides all this, he has also served as the national media convener of the BJP. my friend nalin kohli please welcome mr nalin kohli nalin welcome to friday's live with raj naik thank you raj i'm delighted to be with you i count you among my friends and it's always a pleasure to see you i wish we were meeting in person but this is good enough too thank you nalin where are you i mean are you in delhi no i'm not in fact uh, to the envy of many of my friends we are in himachal my parents and uh, me currently I, my sister was here for four and a half months of this period but we've been here since mid march we have a place near kasoli in himachal so we've been really away from the hustle and bustle and the sort of panic that the big megapolises of india are facing so how are you managing sitting in himachal i mean don't you have your cases to fight and uh, your work to do and your politics and how well, are you managing we are in a new normal aren't we everything is becoming digital we are talking and conversing digitally over a platform uh, we are using more and more of data from home a very, a very fascinating a fascinating thing was told to me by someone who handles networks that earlier they had built huge capacities where offices were they never thought the home or the areas residential areas would be drawing so much of data or have such large data consumption so they are struggling with it because now it's all work from home so my cases are online whether it's the supreme court the high court the other forums Uh, political work uh, tv everything is online so uh, we are all managing i can't say it is as it used to be but probably there's no struggle either i think we are all sailing along in the new uh, normal so what have you been doing besides work i mean kasoli is a beautiful place and uh, uh, who all are there with you i mean are you all alone and how's it dad mom so you know they have a place my sister vandana she has a place she and rajat her husband So um it's really been the first month and a half was pure unadulterated me time and family because really nothing happened from the 24th of uh, March when we had the national lockdown we had come here we prior to the lockdown we came in mid March so we were lucky we didn't know there would be a lockdown so I actually came with four shirts and two trousers I thought I'll leave in a week or maybe 10 days and I eventually learned that uh, you know you really survive with very little because four shirts and two trousers were enough till I went out and managed to get much later in maybe April or May white shirts and a coat for my coat for my coat work so it, be, it was lovely walking lost a little weight uh, focused on uh, myself in terms of enjoying nature fresh air uh, parents they haven't got uh, this kind of time with us that's my sister and me since school having meals together otherwise in delhi where i stay you rush out in the morning you come back late so you really have the morning cup of tea and a rushed breakfast at home rest of it is always out 
so there's been great quality time in family and those who have a you know a good family life for them it's very fortunate and uh, we've cherished it and uh, i think everyone's thankful for that on the other hand none of us uh, are oblivious to the kind of challenges that mankind at large our nation several segments lot of people are facing some of those challenges we also personally deal with it's not a rosy picture it's after all an, an international pandemic it has social economic political legal implications no political implications and we are all in the thick of it uh, in one way or the other yeah i mean uh, it's funny you said that many people told me and i realized it myself you know having three meals with the family breakfast lunch and dinner even i hadn't done it for many many years and finally to be able to do it except on a weekend probably but i think uh, it's a great feeling and i think one of the things this whole thing has done it's also uh, taught us a lot of thing it's a reset button being pressed kind of a thing it's taught us about how little we need in life you know i mean you said two pants two shirts i mean i know people who haven't even worn a pair of trousers i mean i look at my shoes every day i'm very fond of shoes and i haven't touched my shoes and i'm saying hey i could have done without all this and dreading the thought when i have to dress up to go either to office or to go for a function because i'm so used to being in my shorts at home so you know it's, so it's it's different so nalin i just want to ask you you know this show is about getting to know you getting to know so tell me some of your childhood memories where are you from himachal i mean is that that's why you gone and settled there i mean you taken a place there you know raj if i look at my childhood all my hobbies finally came together to help me in my career so my parents encouraged both my sister and me as siblings to participate in extracurricular activities music theater debating elocution all of it just a minute dumb charades we used to do so much and uh, these were the things that uh, honed in the capacity of being on stage of addressing audiences of uh, debating which eventually took me to television and uh, music to some extent i used to play in a band in college so uh, that was great fun used to do some rock music through the 80 early 90s and then i did uh, again hmm yeah i didn't know that yeah 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 so we used to do i mean uh, we used to i used to play the keyboards and basically vocals because i sing a little so um, we used to play in a rock band in college and i started doing television which was my hobby it really became my career for a period almost a decade over a decade and that honed in my skills for presentation articulation which helps me politically first managing the media in terms of you know the national media in charge and then as a spokesperson or even in law it's about pre- presentation you need to know the law you need to study it you need to do your research you need to present a case but then you also need to do it in a communicate it in a manner that makes sense to all so my childhood i'd say was uh, enjoyable we traveled a lot my father was in the government so i can't say i belonged to a place i spent 7 uh, years in rajasthan 1 year in madhya pradesh 2 years in delhi 5 years in calcutta before we really settled down in delhi in 1985 So it was really a lot of traveling, picking up languages, picking up local culture, and that really gives you a wonderful outlook to life too. Any any memories that you have? Uh, how many siblings are you? I mean, two, just us, me and my sister Vandana. Okay. And what does Vandana do? Vandana is um, well, she's the talented one. So I joke and say I tag a lot. She's the one. She 
does music she does uh, she writes she writes very well she's writing a book on mental health she's produced some um, films on uh, anger on um, depression so she's worked on that that's an area of her interest uh, she's been a filmmaker she's trained at the film institute in pune as a film editor so uh, she does multiple things but you know why she comes up in the conversation is because she's more like a friend and you know my we enjoy we are a touchwood a cl- close knit family and uh, my brother in law is a lawyer too so we all tend uh, to uh, bond pretty well i'd say and uh, we do share common interests so a lot of it happens together do you still sing yeah i do a little bit <laughs> i do all the melodies i always want of himant kumar those numbers uh, i do a few of the 80s that's the period of music that i like the most i used to do elvis also i mean that's not really 80 but uh, a lot of 80s numbers in rock and uh, light rock and you know various genres of rock is it too much for me to ask you to give a jalak to my viewers <laughs> i'll sound so off uh, tune but let me try um uh, hmm, let's see something in hindi maybe is that uh, yeah to have the national spokesperson of bharatiya janata party singing on my show is a big 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 thing no no your friend is there And I should spoke to her with my interest. But I'm That's sure your friend is there. I'm thinking for my friend. I know, I know. Uh, I'm knowing, but I'm telling you, all news channels are going to ask you to sing next time you go on there. <laughs> In fact, it happened once, Taj. It happened on Rajdeep Sarvesai's show. So he then said, "Can each one start singing something?" And this was when the Maharashtra uh, government uh, formation was happening. So I actually ended up singing Johnny Walker's that song. सर जो तेरा चकराए या दिल डूबा जाए आजा प्यारे पास हमारे काहे घबराए काहे घबराए सो यू गॉट या बट वेरी गुड यू गॉट अ गुड वॉइस एंड यू आर नॉट बेसुर एट ऑल सो बी बेटर आस्क अ सिंगर नो आई हैव हर्ड अ लॉट ऑफ सिंगिंग विद द राइट इंस्ट्रूमेंट्स एंड राइट स्टूडियो आई एम श्योर यू विल डू वेरी वेल सो योर you you anchored news on television right i mean how did that happen i mean uh, i know you said your parents got into saying to education and everything but how did you uh, get into journalism so raj that journey started straight out of school uh, i graduated i mean i finished my school delhi public school akipuram in 1989 and we got an opportunity to uh, we got an opportunity to anchor a program called youth forum youth forum was very popular in the 80s on doordarshan and then uh, i started anchoring more and more programs and that's how we i started learning about production too because i produced and directed for a period of my life and then in 92 an ad had come out in do for looking for news readers in doordarshan so applied i got selected i'm told that it was about 10000 people and we were finally six or seven of us in english and four or five in hindi who were selected because it was very sought after i started anchoring the news and lo and behold by that time uh, i started doing more and more and started uh, in a sense enjoying what i was doing in the meantime i ma- i had applied for a series of dance and uh, i had applied to produce programs for doordarshan and a friend of us in fact she's also a political person this is a fascinating story itself charmishta mukherjee uh, our former president's daughter and she's on the other side of the spectrum she's one of the spokespersons of the congress so we've been neighbors in delhi so pranam mukherjee and uh, was just you know his house was two one house away and uh, we grew up knowing uh, pranab uncle in that sense and knowing 
Sharmishta, I know her more by her home name. And uh, she wanted to do a program on dance. She was looking for a producer director. I had applied to Doordarshan, and together we ended up making a series called Tal Mail, which showcased dance in India over several episodes: rhythm, movement, makeup, uh, modern dance, and uh, we covered some thirty of the top dancers: Asta Debu, Alamir Valli. I mean, a whole lot of dancers. Very, very good dancers: Geeta Chandran. So um, that program I produced, directed, and my that's how I continued in the media. Then I moved towards media education for a brief period in the early 90s, till I finally quit it because I joined the government in 2002, and that's how I got into politics because I joined as uh, the OSD to the then Minister of Rural Development, Mr. Venkaiah Naidu. Uh, I set up the whole media policy of the Rural Development Ministry. I had a good rank in the government of a joint secretary. and uh, he became party president he took me to the party i followed him there i became co-convener of the national media cell which was set up at that time then i became convener so that's how it really happened and i got back to law subsequently and and when you were anchoring the news at that time and uh, doordarshan had a monopoly you know that was the only channel people used to watch what is the changes that you've seen from then and now in news lots and some Ask you know consistent. One is we worked in that era with you know the big lights, the twenties and the babies. Then you had five, seven, eight thousand watts of light coming at you. Uh, it was very formal, uh, very staccato. Also, not conversational to that extent. It started changing in the late nineties and early two thousand to make it more conversational and not imposing formal as Doordarshan uh, used to do. Um, the second is. Uh, We used to literally read the news. Used to we uh, the anchoring in Doordarshan happened in 2000 when they finally went for the anchor system and it was Sunit Tandon and me as the only two English anchors who did the 9 p.m. Uh, so uh, it used to be a script given to us and we read that script. We used to have something called Parliament News, which was really about what each parliamentarian said, and it was very popular among the parliamentarians because Doordarshan was only watched and you had to get all the names right. uh and that used to be quite an effort and i think anyone who did well in parliament news used to be considered we need to bring them on prime time there was one uh, year where the 8 o'clock bulletin started late because of budget budget day was the most watched and um, the 8 o'clock bullet uh, bulletin started at some 8:40 or 8:30 and the 9 o'clock bulletin started at 9:20 and you already had the finance minister in the studio at 9:15 because that's when he was slotted and the news hadn't started so i had the producer telling me in my ear that nalin i don't care how when i know you read fast just read the fastest you can read so i finished a 25 minute bulletin in some 12 minutes or something so you know you it was it had its own share of challenges and great time but on tv i can tell you raj i was there on the night when 9/11 happened i was in my studio i was in the newsroom I saw I saw on the screen you know this used to be the news feed and I said what is the what is this plane doing in the world trade center and I it, it didn't even register when my news producer came running and said go live you know there's been a plane crash in the world trade center and I can tell you raj that uh, on that day throughout without a script that I did it uh, I said I kept saying we don't know whether it's an accident or a deliberate crash Till the second plane crashed before my eyes, as the whole world saw it, and then I said, "This is terrorism." So I mean, there was no looking. I mean, there was no question about it. 
I was there on the night when the bombing of um, the Taliban started when George W Bush bombed Afghanistan with his tomahawk I think those missiles were um I did the longest that I've ever done in broadcast was 24 hours of non-stop commentary in the year 2000 so I did it out of um, Hong Kong that's where all your studios used to be for the private channels and I did the whole 24 hours of the first sunrise to the last one live commentary showing the celebration of the year 2000 millennium change and the longest i did on tv was 7:30 am to um, i think it was 1:30 am when uh, the musharraf agra summit took place barring a lunch break i was live on tv till 1:30 am so you know i've had my own share of exciting moments too yeah i mean uh, there are some moments in life you never forget i remember when you just spoke about 9/11 i was at the record benkaiser in delhi we they had the global media head and uh, you know which had just shook hands for uh, and those days it was a big deal it was almost 5 million dollar deal right we just shook hands and we got messages saying put switch on the tv they did not have a tv so we all rushed back and i stayed at the oberoi at that time i rushed back to the hotel and we said we said don't worry send us the contract tomorrow and uh, i came back to the hotel room and we watched what had happened and you know and when next day i flew back to bombay and uh, i told my team i said it's very insensitive you know you can't be sending a contract when so so many things have happened let's wait for a few days and then let's send the contract and a uh, few days later the world had changed everything had changed you know and uh, yeah these are memories that will always remain and yeah, you know you always remember incidents i i still remember uh, when i was flying to the us probably my first time or second time lady diana had passed away you know oh and, uh, and and when i was coming back at heathrow again lady dianas it was a funeral so so these are moments that you remember so i i want to ask you a question you know when you're on television and you're of course now also you're on television in a different <laughs> aspect but that's the best moment to give it up because you know you're you get adulation people recognize you especially those days when uh, there wasn't private uh, news to this extent law was something that you had always planned to do yes and strangely but first i'll tell you a funny incident on adulation look raj uh you always think a person thinks that they are private and people won't recognize them but there's always someone who sees you and you know either likes you or dislikes you but mostly would come up to say you know i watch you on tv and we like what you say or etc etc so the funniest one i had was on a flight maybe a few months ago a few months before covid 19 I got off a flight and this gentleman walks up to me and says in Hindi bhai sahab main aapse kuch kahun I said ha bola bhai sahab aap bilkul jo bhajpa ke pratyakta nalin kohli hai unke bhai lagte hain aur main aapse kahun ki aapse mile to unko lagta hai wo kahega zarur kahega aapko ki aap nalin kohli jaise dikhte hain so i and i think you know kept quiet for a moment and i said wo main hi hu so it took him a minute to register <laughs> then he started laughing and I thought that was the funniest that I've had on a flight you know someone coming and saying that I look like myself uh but on law I I wanted to do law young and I owe the credit of um, getting into active practice again several years ago to Mr Jetty Mr Jetty uh, one day when I had gone to him to discuss something political he said that uh, and he was a great lawyer and one thing about Mr Jetty he always gave good advice to people uh, for their profession or other things so he said that why aren't you practicing law so i said it's been a long time so he said there's a shortage of good arguing counsels in my estimate 
और तुम बोलते अच्छा हो आई थिंक डू वेल एट द सुप्रीम कोर्ट गेट बैक टू प्रैक्टिस एंड देन आई हैव टू से राज इन दिस डेकेट इट्स बीन फिनली एजुकेटिव टू मी बिकॉज लॉ टीचर्स यू एंड प्रैक्टिस इन कोर्ट टीचर्स यू मेनी थिंग्स अबाउट गवर्नेंस एंड आई थिंक इट हेल्प्स मी अंडरस्टैंड इशूज बेटर because brought from a legislative perspective as also from a government and executive perspective and it's been very very good and my experience in life which is when you come late also back to practice that helps is you look at it not just only from the statute from a larger picture because in life someone like you probably would realize that also is the big picture matter it's not always you know the details are critical but one has to have the big picture True, very true. I'm going to come back to your law again, but uh, uh, you did mention that you did something in education. Can you elaborate a bit? I ran a school. <laughs> I ran a school. I I lived on campus, taught class eleven um, economics, commerce, a few things here and there. Uh, but I ran a school with some uh, friends. But I exited that project in 2011. We set it up in 2000. It was a residential school, international English curriculum, so IGCSE and A levels. We had a British headmaster, so it was a residential and day boarding school uh, on the outskirts of Delhi. And uh, I was one of the three promoters. I was not a major promoter, but yes, I, you know, there was a stake in it. But then uh, in 2010-11, I moved back because uh, I, I wanted to be back in Delhi, and uh, I felt I was one losing out politically. um because i had started you know spending too much time in education and i realized that if i go further into this then i must call it a quits from politics but what drew you towards education i'm just out of curiosity because you did news then education and you had uh, studied to be a lawyer yeah that's an interesting question raj uh, i think there was a phase where many people felt that setting up schools and colleges and in the south and states like karnataka and others even maharashtra uh, you do have a lot of political people who have uh, created large uh, educational enterprises so um, there was this belief that you know perhaps that is also something stable and uh, you could um, you know have a professional side view and a political side view we need to bear in mind that during that decade we were talking about the knowledge economy we were talking about more requirements of uh, better institutions of learning where you know the fee structures would not be so regulated because if you were with an international board then you don't have those re- restrictions but um, down the line as one actually got into it and worked there one realizes that you one should because education is when you're molding the future of a child you need to be there full time you have to be fully committed that's why i was doing it full time for a period of time and it's not correct to say that you could flit in and out you could do that as a visiting professor but not in a school certainly so i felt it would create conflict also i was just as you were talking as visualizing you i said if nalin kohli gets into the cabinet he can be a law minister he can be an education minister and he can be an and be minister so you got all three experiences you know raj but some of the less uh, talked about uh, areas are often, often very important um, take for example sorry sorry, sorry. you no, said please. something 
I said I forgot I am cultural ministry. <laughs> Look, these are opportunities, Raj. If they are meant to be, and uh, I do believe that what is meant to be does happen. Uh, if they are meant to be, they are opportunities. And um, every opportunity, it doesn't matter. There is no such thing that one should say that it is not to my life. Because an opportunity to serve is for the benefit of someone else. And politics can offer you that opportunity to do so much more. So it doesn't matter whether it is A, B, C, D. It's just like, you know, in the civil service. One a person could be today in the industry department, tomorrow in the, uh, in, a, in the home department, another day in another department, PDS, public distribution service. It's an opportunity to do something and people should take that seriously. So to me, uh, I, I'm grateful for the way you put it, but uh, to me, if any opportunity is an opportunity to do work, do that work and don't be so attached that you need to say that, oh, I wish I could continue doing it. You should be able to stop doing that work and get back to your profession whenever that time comes. I'm a firm believer in that. You need to keep reinventing, explore new things. And that's what keeps you alive. You know, that's when the adrenaline rush comes. I'm going to come back to politics. I'm not going to lose this opportunity. But before that, I'm going to talk you about uh, back to news. You've seen the kind of news that is there today in the media. And there's a lot of polarization and there are a lot of... Uh, discussions happening whether in fact in the supreme court there is a thing which says uh, tv channels have to be regulated and things like what's your personal view on uh, on this whole thing of regulation i'm asking you as a as a lawyer citizen and i will i will answer that it's a it's a very good question and it's an important question first raj we live in noisy times there's no doubt about it we are living in times and this is global it's not just india we are living in times where uh, things are being trying, are sought to be portrayed black or white. Life is generally grey. And the truth is always in the middle. So it's, you know, there, there are stronger points. And with the advent of the social media, you know, it's wonderful. It's democratized expression. It has made available so many platforms. But at the same time, it is unhindered. And people in this newfound freedom also abuse that freedom in terms of the language, in terms of the threat, in terms of the intimidation. So th this is a reality. And this social reality is also witness, uh, we compete in the style of uh, discourse. That discourse, whether it is personal, whether it is uh, on television, uh, other platforms is becoming more and more vociferous. Uh, that's not my personal style. In fact, uh, often I'm considered an odd man out in that sense. And a lot yeah. of people definitely. Yeah, you are the probably the uh, only party spokesperson who goes into a channel and all channels respect you and you articulate without getting too personal, but you still manage to get across your uh, viewpoint. Uh, so tell me, what is the most difficult thing of being a party spokesperson when you get onto a channel? Well, as a party spokesperson, you have to follow the party line. Being a lawyer helps me because I find often a legal argument to even a political argument that helps. Um, and I, I think my style is also one of patience and calmness. So, uh, which I think is a life skill. It's really not a spokesperson skill. So uh, I think you really have to go there and respect the other's point of view. I, I, it would be probably 9.9 .9 times out of 10, I would never interrupt anyone. 
only if I'm interrupted back do I interrupt someone to let them know that you know we need to set the rules on equality in that sense. But to come back to your first question, because I want to finish that question. So as I was saying, we are noisy times, and uh, what we find, what I find as a lawyer, is that Article 19, which is the freedom of speech and expression of our constitution, uh, we are living at a time where people feel they have the right to say their word, but they don't respect the right to hear the other side, and sure. uh, that is the challenge. And I feel that you know we are constantly seeking to label ourselves too. There'll be a whole set of people who say that I consider myself a liberal. I think we are first human. Then, uh, then the next is about etiquette, because if we lose civility, we are going to lose civilization. So, I mean, the bare basic is: can we have a discourse, agree to disagree? I have my right to my point of view. You have your right to your point of view. Let the viewer decide. And in that, when you say about regulation, I'm against it, except for the extreme. You have to set the boundary at the very extreme. So when you know we had the unfortunate death of Rajiv Tiwari, uh, some uh, people raised this question: Should the debates be regulated? Should there be a code? My counter to that, when I was interviewed by various publications, is we still haven't settled the debate on what to say. I mean, can we immediately get into the debate legally of how to say? I mean, even what to say? What is free speech? What is the boundary of spe- free speech? There is one set of people who feel they can say that India can be dismembered into uh, different pieces, and it's their right to say so. There's a counter narrative to that that says that if you say that India should be dismembered into different pieces, you deserve to be in jail. That's their right too. So we haven't settled the debate on what is the limit of free speech. Are we going to get into an area of regulating how to speak? But yes. Some kind of code must exist for ensuring that certain boundaries are inviolable. You can't cross those boundaries, and I think that you know perhaps we need a more structured discourse and discussion on it before we settle those boundaries. No, it's music to my ears that you said your personal view as media should not be regulated. I'm a firm believer that any kind of media should not be regulated for the simple reason that freedom of speech is our constitutional right, and it should be allowed. we may disagree and i would like to believe that at some point you know the viewers will decide what is right what is wrong having said that yeah maybe there should be some code <laughs> right uh, freedom of speech should also allow people like especially if it's a news channel maybe i don't know like you, you i'm not able to articulate it as well as you did but uh, allowing people to speak you know because if you if you're getting uh, guests on your show and then you decided that you want to do the show the way you want to do it and without letting the guest speak then why have them in the first place counter and a counter to that is that why do the guests go still so therefore you know that's the other counter the counter is that that is a show so i'm making a distinction raj because you are a television person and i've yeah. also been in television there's a difference between a show and something that is not a show in a show it follows a different uh, format it may be a, like a reality so that is news reality it could be so you know therefore we need to uh, the classification becomes interesting but I, another point uh, on this do you know raj if i make a comparison as a lawyer on uh, the first amendment in the us constitution and the first amendment on the indian constitution both have to do with freedom of speech and expression in the us constitution it's the bill of rights that expands it unfettered to the extreme somebody can say that he will bring down the united states government and do sedition no problem he's allowed to say that 
In India, the first amendment brought in 1951 or 52, among various other things, it included reasonable restrictions on free speech. So that means there are limits to free speech also under Article 19. So that's the fascinating thing. So we we belong to we are in a country where reasonable limits are not outside. And the second about your point on society should regulate, the viewer should regulate. Let me give a counter narrative and let me pick an extreme. Let's take pornography. Now there is one school of thought that would say that it's your right to watch it, not to watch it. The second school of thought would say it's right to privacy also within that that you may see it in your personal bedroom but not in a public space because public space is unregulated and then others' privacies may be hit. But then there's a third. What happens if the pornography leads to say, and there's no structured study, but there are concerns expressed on this, to say assault, greater assault. Do we have the systems in place to, for example, monitor that? Or then let's take it to another level. What a consensual pornography versus forced. So, you know, these are tough questions in terms of when we look at freedoms and liberty. And my answer to it is while we look at our rights in the Constitution, let's not forget the Constitution also has a chapter on fundamental duties. Your society progresses both on rights and duties. One without the other is incomplete. You know, I mean, there is so much to talk to you and I can do start you. <laughs> Especially on the news front, but uh, I, uh, but I think you made a point. And actually, I've always, you know, uh, wondered. Like you said, it's a show. I've always wondered why would guests go on the show to get humiliated, and you know, and still continue to go back to the same channel. So I used to, I used to wonder this. But now you said you you said it in a very nice way. Remember, it's a show, and I think uh, there's a big takeaway from what you just said, right? I'll now. tell you another one, which you'll enjoy, and I did it on air that I was on a Hindi channel, primetime show, and there was a period where a lot of Pakistani strategic experts used to come. And some of them were really funny because, you know, they spoke, they neither sounded like experts nor they had anything to do with strategy. Some of them used to sip their alcohol too. And um, I finally found out that they were paid decent sums of money in US dollars to be on the show. So one day on a live debate, when I was in a heated argument with uh, the gentleman from across the border, I said, Mr. So-and-so, I'm on the show on the belief of what I want to speak. You get paid a decent sum to be on the show. So what are you talking about your uh, point of view? You are here because you have been given an offer to be on a show which you're enjoying. And that also explained why he was willing to take the bashing all the time too. Because I figured out if you're getting paid X amount and a decent X amount, Four times a month, you don't need to work. I mean, you only have to, you know, be through 30, 40 minutes of uh, uh, aggression at yourself and you throwing that aggression. It could be uh, a format of livelihood too or extra income. You said this, now I'm sure all the guests going on shows, even the Indian guests going on shows will start thinking, what will people think? <laughs> no, but you should know, politicians are not paid. Uh, we, when we go on, to, uh, to, uh, the only exception is Doordarshan, which pays all its guests. All. They've always done for decades. But on uh, private show channels, uh, politicians uh, or political people don't get paid, but experts are taken on contracts and others because their time is utilized. And I think that should be respected too. Uh, I don't, I'm not referring to any case or anything, but generally, your viewpoint on media trial. Mm, you know, Raj, today, that's a big topic because you know there's a lot happening in the media so now let's look at it if i may you'll permit me to wear both 
my guest hat and my legal hat. At one end is the freedom of the media. Now, if you regulate it, then it can't be freedom. Number two, it is their right to report. And this has been something we've seen in the West. Someone like you would have uh, studied those models also of various news uh, formats that exist in the United States. They're global models. Now, the third is the individual right of the person. So to me, the answer is life skills. Is people need to un uh, have a thick skin now. We live in a world where privacy is a challenge. If we are willing to move with a smartphone, and if we are willing to use some of the greatest platforms on social media and uh, even search engine, we must know that we are no longer private. We have now signed in to be monitored in one way or the other. You know, our preferences, our likes, our search means everything. So therefore, either one chooses the extreme view, say, I don't wish this connected, or if you're choosing to walk into the connected world, then one has to uh, develop, I think, a greater sense of calmness and uh, uh, holding oneself to be able to say, okay, this, I will not allow it to impact me personally. I just have to deal with it. Because that is true even uh, in the social media. The media trial is a small part. The social media trial can be far more uh, wider and anyone and everyone has a point of view. And they articulate it uh, possibly. Yeah. Have you watched The Social Dilemma, the thing on uh, Netflix? No, not yet, Raj. But if you are suggesting, I will. You must watch it. You must watch it. But, you know, I, I, I look at social media, I, I see there are a lot of negatives as well, but there are a lot of positives because the way I look at it mm -hmm. is, it has democratized, it has democratized voice, it has democratized content in individuals today sitting in any part of the world can if he has a talent, he can upload it on YouTube or Facebook or wherever it is. And so there are a uh, lot of pluses and negatives. But you must watch that show. And I have a, my own viewpoint on it, but that's for another time. But you must watch it. You'll like it. Uh, Thanks. Yeah. Uh, so I'm moving from news to politics. And more than politics, I would rather say your legal... Uh, now getting to you to wear your legal hat. So tell me, how has it been working from home and attending to cases? Well, lots of things, Raj. Uh, one is, we struggled in the first phase with digital appearances because the platforms were not stable, but now they've become fairly stable. Some of them are moving to become robust. So there's big talk about it being now a hybrid model. So if I look at the positives about it kills distance, it saves time, uh, it'll save costs. It democratizes the legal system for litigants. People don't need to, for example, we have only one Supreme Court and that's in Delhi. So someone having a case from Kanyakumari for a personal hearing may need to come up to be there to watch because that's a final court and it is at great cost. Now imagine being able to watch the same thing from Kanyakumari itself or from say Mizoram, which is the other extreme in the Northeast. So uh, I think, you know, these are the positives. The negatives, of course, is that you need stable platforms. You can have breakdown. You can have, uh, you have, still don't have a standard operating procedure with uh, people. You have somebody's mic coming on, which may cause uh, disturbance. So, you know, those rules will come, but they will straighten themselves out. Right? Uh, yeah, so we struggled in the first few days because of these things, but now it's very smooth. I set up a home office here. I moved almost about 70, 80 files of the cases that I need to do. So I had literally a courier service of files reach me where to where I'm located. Um, I did uh, travel for day trips to Chandigarh a couple of times where my driver came 
with you know two three bagfuls of files i established a printer here kept enough paper here for printing them out because you know there you can you can look at your computers for some documents but i do feel the comfort of using my paper files also simultaneously so i've set up a home office and as i'm working more the little issues to iron out you are ironing it out so i'm mentally preparing myself to a world where i might be to you know happy in the hybrid zone sometimes digital sometimes uh, physical and uh, how is your politics coming along we are going digital so i've done a couple of digital um, a few digital um, programs with the party in meghalaya i did it in mizoram there is i mean we did set up the whole mechanisms there uh, we are bihar will be a fascinating election because it's happening at a time when covid is still there and uh, this the election commission has risen to that uh, occasion and has spoken about you know how this election has to be contested and you are having digital rallies the prime minister has done it our party president has done it um, so the bjp has adopted been always fast at adopting technology in fact uh, social media its major use was by prime minister narendra modi way back in 2013 14 i remember mr gately once telling us that and he was praising mr modi for that that you know he said i was not convinced that you know this is so big and will be so important but uh, prime minister modi has been saying it for years and he said this in 14 and he was right that the social media has enormous uh, utility in um, you know in even electionally so you think bihar uh, elections i was reading somewhere correct me if i'm wrong uh, that the election commission has said that people above 65 years will will not be allowed postal ballot or something like that or should it be the other way around i have missed that news so i really can't comment so because i'm not directly involved or indirectly involved with the bihar elections so my zone of work has normally been in the party they've assigned me states in the northeast so i've been in charge of meghalaya for fairly long mizoram before that during the lok sabha elections i was in charge of meghalaya manipur and nagaland so you know and uh, i'm also the additional advocate general for the state of assam so there's been a northeast connection my father was governor at one time in the state of uh, mizoram in 2001 to 2006 atal ji's government so uh, one has you know somehow the party has often given me responsibilities there okay so we will i think we've done uh, when my last question to you i mean uh, not last question on before i move to other areas is uh, there are some laws with the britishers we had it for years but you know it has been it's taken away it's no longer exist even in the british courts anymore like sedition as one uh, so what do you think about it do you think we should also get rid of a law like that let's get the fundamentals okay, just right. because a law is old does not make a law obsolete the indian penal code was written in 1860 it's still robust so that's not it but on the other hand certain laws require to be written off raj you may not be aware but in the first 5 years of our government uh, almost 12 1300 laws were repealed removed because you know those laws shouldn't have existed they were in a time and etc now let's answer on sedition it exists in the statute parliament in its collective wisdom hasn't amended the statute so it exists if it exists in the statute it is meant to be used now the question that arises that what will come uh, you know be sedition now this is where it gets linked to the freedom of speech and expression debate article 19 what is the limit of it and number 
if someone crosses that limit how do you deal with it so this requires a structured discourse until it is in the statute you can't wish it in if it has to be amended or if it has to be repealed cut out of the statutes it has to be through a discourse a discussion in parliament in a structured manner or judicial intervention but judicial intervention also has not removed it it has upheld its existence so it's constitutionally not over virus it is constitutionally existing yeah so so the only way is either the party uh, the 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 parliament looks at all the laws again at least some of the contentious laws and say okay we need to either modify it or get rid of it or change it whatever it is or judicial intervention or judicially through petitions yeah uh, one more thing is uh, one of the things a lot of people in our jails are under trials and some of them for petty crimes yes. where where they they even if they were held guilty they are, they, are, they they wouldn't be in jails for more than 6 months or 3 months and still they are languishing for years what is the solution there, there has been some movement on this over the last few years and uh, a lot of these things are getting eliminated that's where i see also digital court proceedings helping us much because um, then you you know the requirement of transporting them from jail to a courthouse for recording of evidence and all can become far shorter let's not forget we have almost i mean this is pre covid we had almost 35 million 3 and a half crore cases pending of which about 3 crore were in the district courts uh, and about um, 30 odd lakhs 35 lakhs in the high courts and about 50 60000 in the supreme court so uh, that backlog is a huge challenge and that slows down the judicial system but on under trials there has been movement a lot of times cases are withdrawn or you know because you know from time to time the jails are overcrowded and this matter comes up courts dispense off with them so uh, yes there are few examples that somehow they fall through the cracks and they are unfortunately longer duration under trials they stay there for a longer duration but overall there's been some movement here in the positive zone and do you see this uh, digital uh, courts being a long term thing i mean uh, even post covid do you think because there is a certain amount of efficiency here i do raj i think we are heading for a hybrid system the parliamentary committee also on law has uh, which is all parties has recommended that there should be a hybrid system but my personal view is that there should be a hybrid system that we should uh, do so set in place uh, make the mechanisms um, indian uh, set in place protocols for protection of data and things like that um, for the uh, keeping the you know the sanctity of the court proceedings ensuring that but i see it happening Okay, I think we've done enough of hot uh, talk. Let's go back. So, tell us, what does Nalin Kohli do to? Uh, uh, what are, what is your stress buster? Look, music at one point was. Uh, regrettably, I'm not doing enough of it now. Uh, I like cooking, just pottering around once in a while, cooking something. So that helps me. Also, I enjoy that. Uh, again, I don't do it very often. Uh, but i think you know raj i'm wedded to um, a heavy schedule uh, and i uh, i find that within that only i find my relaxation so 
prior to covid my normal day was not a good day to be on but a normal day would be say from about 9 to 11 at least 9 to 10 10 30 for sure and that was certainly six days a week uh, and seventh day would be working for half a day but what covid has um, you know of course loosened that up much more but um, a little bit of exercise is a stress buster and that is important for all of us we need to do a little bit of something even if it's just walking at a few free hand exercises because we live sedentary lives broadly in the professions that we follow family time happens uh, my morning is my best time um i like to keep my morning relaxed and slow i enjoy my cup of tea with my parents and um uh, you know if my newspapers in delhi i would have about five of them to read through but here it's mostly i just go through my phone of what's important and what's coming up but i've reduced reading those papers to till about and then i get into an exercise regimen and things like that and then get to work so and in the evening once in a while i pick up my phone and watch something on it um uh, on prime uh, video or netflix uh, not very often but yes once in a while so it's a pretty simple life it's not very complicated actually what about holidays do you take holidays at all Yes, we do. Uh, we do. I, I like to travel. Uh, we would travel uh, globally and locally both. Uh, I don't see traveling globally for a while, uh, and I feel more the need that we should travel locally in India because that gives our tourism industry, hotels, and the whole ecosystem around it a better chance. So you know, those of us who can travel and do have the choices. must also exercise that choice increasingly for indian destinations because this country has phenomenal phenomenal places to visit and uh, great properties to stay in also if one wants to have that comfort so i'm and i plan to do that travel uh, some of it by road also uh, but currently because of the restrictions and because of uh, uh, i take my parents out normally so therefore i'm single as you've guessed i'm single i was married and briefly married and divorced no kids So uh, my parents are a priority for me because they stay with me I stay with them. So I like to take them out so their protection is a concern and that's why I'm keeping myself away from Delhi for as long as possible. But when things ease out I will definitely like to take them also because in whatever years that they have they deserve to see more and as far as they can move we should encourage that. No I'm sure I mean we all want to get out and you know go and see our family spend some time go on a holiday it all seems like a luxury in the near future but how long do you think this whole thing will last your guess look raj i said something in april and i'm sticking to it i told all my friends who would ask me that this consider this a zero year and when they would ask me what do you mean by zero i said just rub it out rule out 2000 2021 as the financial year after march my own uh, guess is that that's broadly correct because even as we are you know moving and heading back to normalcy within the restrictions the cases will rise for a while there will be some lag time till whenever the vaccine comes and its efficacy and its use um but you know it's a virus so it's not going to go away from the planet so we need to accept that and this is the new normal we need to accept that you know nature and our planet has its periods of time man made or otherwise and there is a reorientation to focus back to look back at what we should be valuing and we live in a, i think covid 19 offered that opportunity 
for people to understand the value of what should be the values of their lives. You know, family, work, satisfaction, slowing the pace of life where required, taking care of nature, because we've also taken enormous rude liberties with Mother Nature. So, you know, these are there. And second is, there's also an interesting fact, Raj, is for the generation born in the 40s and 50s, they've seen global tragedies and global issues. Even, you know, someone like me born in 71, uh, has, I won't remember emergency, but I remember the 80s. I remember Prime Minister Indira Gandhi's assassination, uh, what happened through the 80s in terms of the Ram Jaram Bhumi movement, in terms of the things government, the Commission, then looking at uh, the, the liberalization, gold going to the UK for this, what was the you know, economic crisis about, then seeing Pokhran, seeing Karbil, seeing uh, 97, uh, 98, the Asian crisis, 2008 9 uh, global crisis, meltdown, financial crisis. So we've seen it. And I ask myself sometimes that someone born in the late 90s or 2000 haven't seen or lived through a crisis of some sort. So maybe this is nature's way of giving collective uh, learning to mankind and humankind and womankind uh, to understand that, you know, we go through phases where human beings need to introspect and recognize the value of what neighbors are understanding the values of what friendships are, understanding the values of challenges and confronting it, taking them head on, learning to be calm and holding themselves while the tempest lasts itself. You can't run out into a tempest and hope that the tempest will stop. You sometimes need to wait for it to abate a little bit. So it's a great learning experience if you look at it positively too. Yeah, very true. I think uh, especially the new generation, I mean, I mean, what things we've seen in our lifetime and I keep telling my daughters, you know, right from Telegram to uh, STD booths and things like that. And life has come, it's, it's changed, the whole world has changed. So tell us something about Nalin Kohli that we don't talk. I wonder, is there anything that, you know, people seem to know everything. Now that's a tough one, Raj. You've flamoxed me. You achieved what at the moment no anchor has been able to. Left me with no words to, you know, really answer your question. And you can see me filibustering so effectively, continuing talking gibberish without really giving you an answer. But the question is, what is it that you would like to know about me that I don't know? Well, I think, you know, uh, people tend to look at me as a Leo. That, you know, he's you know very outgoing, etc. But I think I'm a true Capricornian. Uh, I, I'm not, uh, I can't say, I, I'm not antisocial at all. I mean, I do socialize and I meet a lot of people. But in my own public uh, way, I'm a private person too. And I value those private moments. Uh, I value, I, you know, if, I'd, if you'd ask me what I'd like to do, is I'd like to be back on stage in a band and do a gig. That's something that's been on my mind for years. And it's a promise to myself that I'm going to do it. If you'd ask me which trip I'd like to take, I'd like to drive from uh, to Lake. Another trip I want to do is on the Konkan Highway and go right up to the edge of Kerala. Uh, and, you know, I've done a lot of road trips, but this, these are two that are on my, in my pocket that they need to be done. And I look forward to do it. Uh, so, you know, that's all. But the, I think the, uh, the gig of getting my old school bandmates together, my college bandmates together, I did it in 2012, 13, bought a keyboard and we jammed on a jam uh, pad and things like that, composed some music too. But yeah, that's something that Nalin Kohli has kept in his student books for sure. Maybe do an album. Maybe do an album. How do you know? Why not? And uh, 
since that's what you want to do before you go one more one more jalak of your singing no. how shall i do english or hindi english okay elvis or bonjour okay it's one for the money i do for the show three to get ready and i go cat go but don't you Step on my blue suede shoes. You can do anything but lay over my blue suede shoes. You can knock me down, stand on my face, slander my name all over the place. Do anything that you want to do. But oh, oh, honey, they have them shoes, don't you? Step on my blue suede shoes. You can do anything but lay over my blue suede shoes. <laughs> Nalin, thank you so much. You are a wonderful guest. I enjoyed having this chat with you. Thank you so much, and we will do sometime later. We'll do part two. Thank you so much. And, and you know, Raj, good luck with what you're doing. You're a man full of life. Keep that zest going, and God bless. Thank you, Nalin. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this Sochcast. What is your Soch? Send us your comments on our Facebook page and Instagram page. It's time for you to do your own Sochcast at Sochcast. अपनी सोच दुनिया को सुनाओ सोच का